Awesome job, PJ. Thank you. Okay. Um, well, today uh, we are going to talk all about influence. Influence. Can somebody say influence? influence. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, specifically, we're going to talk about your influence because whether you realize it or not, every single day you have extraordinary, extraordinary influence. Now, my guess is, uh, if I was to say to you, give me some examples of people in the world who have extraordinary influence, most of us are immediately going to start thinking about famous people, right? Like politicians, you know, the president of the United States, maybe the most influential person in the world. Or we might think of celebrities like Oprah or Beyonce or the Kardashians. Uh, God help us. Uh, no offense to the Kardashian fans. Or we might think about social media, right? Like we live in a day and age when there's this whole profession called influencers and their whole job is to amass like millions of followers on TikTok and Instagram and YouTube and they use their influence to sell stuff to their followers. But I'm guessing many of us wouldn't say that we are particularly influential, especially in comparison to people like that. And so what I wanna show you today is that whether you realize it or not, you have more influence than you can probably even imagine. So let me start out by trying to, to prove that to you. Um, let's do a little exercise real fast. Uh, raise your hand if you have ever bought something. This is not a trick question. If you have ever bought something and then told someone about the thing that you bought ever. Clothes, car, yeah, okay. All right, hands down. That's what I thought. We all do this, right? Like if I go to a new restaurant and I have a delicious taco, I'm probably going to tell my friend that new restaurant has delicious tacos. If you go to a new restaurant and you try the taco and it's nasty, you should tell me because friends don't let friends eat nasty tacos, right? We, we, do, this, we do this all the time. Well, if you've ever bought something and then you've told someone about it, you are more influential than a $352 billion industry in this country, and I'll, I'll tell you why. It's estimated that companies in the United States spend as much as $352 billion every year to influence you and to influence me and our purchasing choices. But do you know what they've found? Studies have found consistently that consumers are still about 92% more likely to trust a peer, a family member, a friend over a commercial or an ad. So, so like, uh, let's say that you are chilling with a friend of yours, you're watching TV, watching the game or a show or whatever, and this commercial comes on for Geico car insurance. And your friend that you're watching this with is just digging this commercial because that talking lizard is, is so funny and so cute, and they really want to save 15% or more on their car insurance. <laughs> and so they're so excited that they pull out their phone and they, they start dialing. And then you say, ah, I tried Geico, and I didn't save that much money, and I'm now with State Farm. Even though Geico spent millions of dollars producing and airing that commercial, your one little comment makes your friend 92% less likely to actually call Geico. So that little talking lizard is more famous than you will ever be. But that little talking lizard could only dream of the kind of influence that you have over people in your life. Now, that's kind of a silly example, but there's a serious point there. The things that we say to other people every single day carry weight. Our words are deeply, deeply influential. 
And as it turns out, it's, it's not just our words, our attitudes, our emotions, the, the energy that we bring into the room, that's also more influential than, than most of us realize. Um, there's this phenomenon in psychology, some of you know more about this stuff than I do, but uh, it's called emotional contagion. And it's exactly like what it sounds like. Our emotions as human beings are highly, highly contagious. Uh, so much so, there, there was this recent um, study that came out of Harvard, and you can Google this if you don't believe me, but they found that our emotions as, as human beings have the power to affect the emotions not just of our friends and not just of our friends' friends, but our emotions have the power to affect our friends' friends' friends, like three degrees of separation they've found. So like if you go to work on Monday and you are just so full of joy as you're interacting with your coworkers, your joy has the potential to spread to your coworker, and it can then spread to your coworker's neighbor that they talk to at the end of the day, and then it could spread to your coworker's neighbor's daughter that you will never even meet, and she's feeling more joyful because of the joy that originated with you. Isn't that incredible? Or like if you have coffee this week with a friend, and in the course of your conversation, you're just so hopeful. That hope that you're feeling has the power to spread to your friends, and it could even spread to, to their brother that they call later in the day, and it could even spread to their friends, to, to their brother's uncle. And he's feeling more hopeful, even though you'll never meet this dude in your life because of the, the hope that originated with you. Now, multiply that by the number of people that you interact with every day. And that is your everyday influence. Pretty extraordinary. Now, while we're on this subject, just as a side note, uh, if you've been around Kindred, you, you've probably picked up on the fact that in a lot of my sermons, I encourage you to come to in-person worship as frequently as you can. And, and this is a big reason why. You know, we, we have the podcast. We have folks listening to this on podcast right now. It's an awesome resource. Listen to the podcast when you can't be here. But it's not a substitute for in-person worship. Why? Because when we come to church like this, we're not just here to absorb information. We're here to influence each other, right? Like when we get in this room together and we're interacting with our words and our body language and our emotions, we are influencing each other in powerful, powerful ways. Some of you have told me, uh, Daniel, a lot of times I wake up on Sunday morning and I don't really feel like getting out of bed and going to church but, but you've said, I'm, I'm always glad when I make myself and, and I get here, and I always feel better afterwards. Why, why is that? Well, there are spiritual reasons, but this is part of why. You show up in this room, you interact with these loving people, and, and it influences you in a powerful, powerful way. So, so my point with all of this is that you don't have to be the president, you don't have to be Oprah, you don't have to be the Geico talking lizard to have extraordinary influence. You already have extraordinary influence every single day. Now, to me, all of that is fascinating and, and amazing in its own right. But here's something I think is even more amazing. According to Jesus, th this influence that you have, this is part of your God-given identity. God created you and me with this influence on purpose. And, and of all the times and places that God could have put you in the world, God puts you here and now in part to, to use this influence. And so a, a question I want to get you thinking about with me this morning is, how are you using your God-given influence? How are you using it? 
We're going to look in a second uh, at what Jesus has to say about this. But before we turn our attention to, to that, just to catch you up real quickly, if you haven't been with us, uh, we are in a sermon series right now that's called I'm In. I'll show you on the slide here. Uh, I'm in, and by the way, um, I should have said this a couple weeks ago when I introduced this series. I'm not smart enough to come up with all of these clever titles. I've totally adopted this from uh, another preacher. Um, but, uh, but, but this series, we've said, it's, it's all about our God-given identity. Who does God say that you are? We started out a couple weeks ago talking about I'm invited that's part of my identity and yours as well. I'm invited into God's family. Last week, we talked about I'm invaluable, that within this family of God, every single one of us has an invaluable role to play. Next week, we're going to wrap up with I'm invested. Don't miss next week. But today, we're talking about I'm influential. I'm influential. Uh, we're going to look at what Jesus has to say about this. But before we get into this passage in Matthew 5, would you join me in a word of prayer? Well, Lord God, we thank you for this time and space that we have, God, to turn our hearts towards you and to give you our undivided attention. God, come with your Holy Spirit and open up our hearts so that we can hear the words of love and affirmation that you have for us, God, but also open us to the ways that you're pushing us, to the ways that you're challenging us to grow and to change and to be transformed. Lord, we pray all of this in the name of your Son who is the living word. Amen. Well, uh, so Matthew 5, what, what, is, what is going on in Matthew 5? Jesus is hanging out in this place called Galilee. And what we need to understand is that this region called Galilee within Israel, it's like the middle of nowhere. And I'll, I'll show you, I got a map here. Um, so this is Israel, roughly speaking. Uh, you can see down at the bottom of this map here, Judea, and you see Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the capital of this region. That's where all the important things happen socially and politically. And then you can see above Judea, you've got this region called Samaria. And then way up north, way away from like anything important, you've got Galilee. So Galilee's like the middle of nowhere, but it's actually the middle of nowhere within the middle of nowhere because if you zoom out to a global perspective, this is like the Roman Empire, roughly speaking, uh, in the first century. And you see this little red sliver way off on the side of the Roman Empire. That's Israel, right? So Galilee is in the middle of nowhere within the middle of nowhere, okay? We got that? So that's, that's where Jesus is. And uh, Jesus decides one day while he's in Galilee to do some preaching. And Jesus had gotten pretty locally famous. And when he would go out to do some preaching, he would often draw a big crowd. And that was true on this particular day. But as you imagine, the, the crowd that Jesus was preaching to understand these were not the celebrities. These were not the politicians. These were not the influencers of that day. These were nobodies who lived in the middle of nowhere. These were farmers, fishermen, craftsmen, right? So that's who Jesus was talking to. Well, there were so many people who, who came out to hear Jesus on this particular day that he decided to go up on this mountainside or really more of like a hill uh, to, to preach where, where everybody could see him and, and hear him. Um, and, and so we now know this sermon as the, the Sermon on the Mounts. I'll show you this picture. Uh, I took this, I had the chance to go to Israel a, a number of years ago, and I took this picture in the spot that was believed to be the place where Jesus preached the, the Sermon on the Mount. Nobody can verify this 100% historically, but uh, at the very least, this will show you kind of what it looks like in Galilee. So it's like, you know, scenic, but even today, it still kind of looks like the middle of nowhere, 
right? So you can, you can picture Jesus there preaching to this huge crowd full of nobodies. And what does Jesus say to, to these people? Here's what he says, uh, verse 13. He says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. We tend to take salt for granted today. Like, it seems pretty ordinary to us. You have salt in your home. I do as well. You go to a restaurant, they'll give you as much salt as you want for free. It's, they don't even charge for it. It's, it's everywhere. But in the ancient world, salt was extremely valuable, and it had a lot of different uses that we don't even think about anymore today. For example, they didn't have Neosporin in the ancient world. They didn't have antibiotics. And so if you got a cut or a wound somewhere on your body... Salt was one of the best disinfectants that you could use. You've heard the phrase rubbing salt in the wounds. Uh, it hurts like crazy, but it's, it's an effective disinfectant. Um, another way that they would use salt is, you know, they didn't have refrigerators. They didn't have freezers like we do today. And so they would use salt to preserve meat and, and fish and keep those from, from rotting. So it was very valuable. And in fact, uh, Roman soldiers would sometimes be paid not in money, but actually in salt. And our English word salary, that actually comes from the Latin word for salt. And maybe you've heard the phrase, um, somebody's worth their salt. That, that's where that comes from. And so in this context, when Jesus is looking out at these nobodies in the middle of nowhere, these people who have, seem to have no influence at all, and Jesus says to them, you are the salt of the earth, he's saying to them in a way that they can understand, hey, you are powerful and you are valuable. And more than you can even imagine, you are deeply, deeply influential. Now, when Jesus said that, I imagine those Galilean peasants, they're like scratching their head like, Jesus, are you nuts? We're, we're nobodies in the middle of nowhere. We're not like salt. But Jesus doesn't back down, and he actually doubles down, and he switches metaphors. And so he's like, okay, well, let's, let's try this one instead. He says, you are the light of the world. Let me ask you a question. How influential is light? Well, without light, we literally couldn't see anything. Without light, plants couldn't grow at all. So without light, we'd be completely in the dark and we'd have nothing to eat. So I'd say light is pretty darn influential, right? So, so that's Jesus' point here. He's saying, hey, that's you. You are the light of the world. Own your influence, embrace it, and use it. And then Jesus goes on here and he says this. A city on top of a hill can't be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. Or today we might say, like, you wouldn't screw in a light bulb under your kitchen sink, right? That would make no sense. Uh, instead, he says, they put it on top of a lampstand, and it shines on all who are in the house. To which we might say, okay, Jesus, let's say we do have this extraordinary influence that you seem to think. What should we do with it? Why did God give us this influence? Jesus says, I'm so glad you asked. He ends this section of the sermon uh, by saying this. This is actually should say verse 16. That's a typo on the slide. But he says, in the same way, let your light shine. Let your light shine before people so they can see the good things you do and praise your Father who is in heaven. J Jesus is saying, listen, the reason that God gave you your influence is so that you can use it to shine the light of God into the darkness of the world. That's what your extraordinary God-given influence is for. It's for you to shine the light of God. Well, when Jesus said that, apparently, uh, most of those Galilean peasants just kind of laughed him off, and they forgot completely about this. 
But what we know in hindsight is that apparently there was also this handful of these nobodies in the middle of nowhere who decided to follow Jesus, and they decided to trust Jesus, and they decided to take him at his word, that they were the salt, that they were the light. And so they started approaching every single day as an opportunity to use their influence to shine the light of God. And so they would, they would show up at home. They would show up at work. They would show up in their places of worship, and they would look for opportunities to embody God's love and God's compassion and God's hope. And it was like little things, things that in the moment seemed completely inconsequential. But by doing that, we can see in hindsight, with Jesus, they ignited this movement of God's love and compassion and, and hope. And this movement that they started together is still going strong 2,000 years later all over the world. I mean, we would not be sitting in this room here today if it wasn't for this handful of nobodies in the middle of nowhere who dared to believe that they actually did have the kind of influence that Jesus said they did. Pretty incredible to think about, right? So, so let's bring this back to us. We'll get back to a more scenic picture than, than Galilee. Um, let's bring this back to us. What would it look like for you to follow in the footsteps of those Galilean peasants? But what would it look like for you to embrace every single day as your opportunity to use your influence to shine the light of God? That this would mean when you show up at work, you're not just there, you're not just there to, to do your job, but you're there on a mission to shine the light of God in that space. So as you interact with your coworkers, uh, you're, you're trying to show them that you see them as people, that you care about them. You, you value them far more than just what they can do for you in that professional setting. When your coworkers are struggling, maybe you offer to pray for them. When your coworkers are sick, maybe you offer to bring them a meal. That Those things may seem small, but that's shining the light of God and using your influence. Uh, or when you're at the coffee shop, when you're at the gym, when you're at t-ball practice, talking to the, the other parents, you're, you're not just there doing that thing, but you're on a mission to shine the light of God, meaning you're looking for opportunities to be an encouraging presence. You're looking for opportunities to show kindness. You're, you're keeping an eye out as you go through your daily life for people who might need a great church family in their life. And by the way, everybody needs a great church family in their life. And, and when you have those opportunities, you're, you're extending that invitation. That's shining the light of God. Or even here, when you show up to church, you're not just here. You're not just a passive spiritual consumer, but, but you show up here on a mission to shine the light of God. You, you come ready to greet people that you haven't met before to make sure that they feel loved and welcomed in this place. You, you show up ready to check in with people. You, you show up ready to laugh with people who have joy and to cry with people who have pain. Can, can you imagine the impact that you could have? Can you imagine the impact that together all of us could have? If we approached every single day with that mentality, it's extraordinary. And, and I think most of us know this from personal experience because I bet almost all of us would say we've been on the receiving end, haven't we? We've been on the receiving end of somebody who used their influence to shine God's light on us. I'll tell you a story from my life. Um, back when I was a senior in high school, I was getting ready to graduate getting ready to go off to college, transitional time in my life. And there was this one Saturday night 
where I was hanging out with a group of guy friends, and I think we were going to see a movie, as I remember it. We're kind of like walking through the mall towards the movie theater together. And there was this moment where uh, a friend of mine in our, in our group, he kind of turned to me off uh, on the side where the other folks in the group couldn't hear. Uh, and he said, um, kind of out of the blue, he said, Daniel, I'm, I'm really excited for you, man. And um, when I heard that, you know, if, if you're familiar with 18-year-old guys, they don't usually say that kind of stuff to each other unless there's like a, a withering, sarcastic punchline that's, uh, that's coming. So I'm bracing myself here. Uh, but he says, no, I, I can see you as serious. And, and he goes, no, Daniel, I'm, I'm really excited for you, he said, because I can just tell that you're going to do something really special with your life. That's all he said. Just, you're going to do something really special with your life. And then you know, we kept walking, and we kind of got back immersed in the group. And I think five minutes later, he probably didn't even remember that he had said that. But that, like, stopped me in my tracks. Because what he didn't know And what he couldn't know was I was at this point in my life where I was wrestling internally with, am I going to do this weird, unusual thing and become a pastor? Or should I like do something much more normal with my life? And and that comment that he made, it it stuck with me. It stayed in my heart. And and in the months that followed and in the years that that followed, that was one of the things that helped to give me the confidence to, to answer God's call and, and, and to step into this life of being a pastor. And, and I just think about, would I be standing here today if he hadn't said that? Would Kindred Church even exist today if he hadn't said that? J- just like a, a passing comment from an 18-year-old dude on the way to the movie theater who decided to use his extraordinary God-given influence to shine the light of God on me. Now, my guess would be, if we had time, we could pass around the microphone, and so many of us could share similar stories of these ordinary moments where somebody, they may not even realize they were doing it, but they, they used their influence to shine the light of God, and it, it changed us, and it made an impact. You see, what, what Jesus wants us to understand is that you have that ability, I have that ability We have that influence every single day if we will just use it, if we will just use it. So so let me end here with this. Um, Throughout this sermon series, I've been trying to remind us that Jesus says he, he came to bring us abundant life. Jesus says he came to show us how to live the life that we were created for. And and, and the way to step into abundant life is to live into our God-given identity. And so my my encouragement for all of us today is let's embrace the influence that we have, that part of our God-given identity. Because when we approach every single day like this, we get to live with so much purpose and so much meaning. We get to wake up every single day and we get to see God at work in us. We get to see God at work through us. We get to see God at work uh, around us. We get to participate in the mission of God in this world every day. And that is what Jesus calls abundant life. It doesn't get any better than that. So so let's embrace our God-given identity. Let's use our influence. And let's step into that abundant life that we were created for. Let me pray for us. Oh, Lord God, we thank you for your calling on our lives, Lord uh, the, the world has this way of imposing so many identities and stories and, and narratives on us about who we are. And it's so easy for us to lose sight of this truth, that, that we have 
extraordinary influence that you've given us, God. We thank you for this reminder of, of what that influence is for. God, give us the focus to, to remember that this is our mission every day. And God, in those moments when you're calling us to use that influence, would you give us the courage and the conviction and the clarity that we need so that we can do what you've called us to do? And in the process, God, would you help us find that abundant life that we were created for? Amen.